0: Podcast episode one seventy five. Dennis Bernstein, you are in Southern California. A very rare appearance here in Southern California of late, but uh I'm in SoCal, you're in SoCal. Welcome back.
1: Uh, are we really in Seattle, John? With this rain. <laughs> yes,
0: are you kidding me? I I oh, look, I they had been telling us that some massive five day storm was coming. Yeah, right. And it was like a drizzle yesterday. Um, I don't like the rain, so I'm happy when they're wrong about the rain. I know mm-hmm. everybody keeps telling me we need the rain, but um, where, where do you land on that? Do you like the rain, or are you are you with me?
1: I'll take these three days and then thirty days off. So that's yeah. what I'll take. I'll take for, for the backyard, you know, for the for the grass in the backyard and everything. So.
0: Okay, for the flowers is what you're saying. For the fl- yeah,
1: for the for nature,
0: <laughs> whatever. Okay, all right, uh, Dennis. I'm gonna butcher this name so you can yeah. uh, make fun of me later. But apparently, uh, 175 is a I don't know if that's how you pronounce that or not, but uh, something along those lines.
1: Yeah, I-, I looked it up and then when I tried to pronounce it, I was over it. <laughs> yeah, So I, th- I handed that off to you. I, I get i get a primary apple on that but i yeah. did not want to try because
0: it, 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 i wish you know you i were recording butcher. before the recording because that is actually what you said right before we hit record you go i'm just over it
1: so yeah, i'm over it i'm so over it in, in 30 seconds
0: so john you know the last time we talked
1: i talked about going to vegas so you want to hear a little bit of my trip
0: of course I absolutely you know traffic and weather is normally how we start the program but uh yes so you went to go see you saw Garth Brooks mm-hmm. or you were scheduled to see Garth Brooks mm-hmm. and you were mm-hmm. scheduled to see U2 so tell yeah. me all about Las Vegas well I was scheduled to see U2
1: and then just going through the Ticketmaster app I said oh wow Garth Brooks is in in Vegas we were staying at Caesars where he was performing at the Coliseum I'm like this is awesome and Patty you know pj she's uh, she's a redneck at heart so i figured oh, this is gonna be great john by the third song when he did first of all he's a huge bob seeger fan as i'm sure you know of. yes and and so when he did turn the page i, I turned to her and i said it's the third song i said we're in trouble because i might have taken you to the better concert tonight than Saturday night. Okay, Easy. okay, but I told but, you that Garth was good. But come on now. No, but I, I resolved the situation, John, oh. because uh, yeah, because on Saturday afternoon I caught a virus no. and I was so sick. I we missed the U two show. No. I had to sell the tickets. Oh, I was in my room sick Saturday and Sunday.
0: Oh, dude, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, that's horrible. Unbelievable. That's horrible. Yeah, yeah.
1: So we'll. Go back when and back in March or whatever.
0: So, um. well, you only have until the end of March. So they start yeah. they're on break for yeah. a couple of weeks and then they yeah. come back. And then I think they I could be wrong, but I think they have six more weekends that are left on this yeah. run, something mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, yeah you're going to need to get that scheduled. But if you remember on the last episode, what I said to you about the Garth show was that even if you weren't a Garth fan, you were going to know a lot of the songs that he played. Oh, yeah. So it sounds like you were having that that uh, connection there oh. during the show phenomenal
1: uh, unbelievable and it, here's the danger but we do go back to vegas for you too i'm sure she's going to want me to take her to garth brooks too so it wouldn't might be, be a bad wouldn't be a
0: bad deal there dennis to go no, back but again
1: he, john he was just uh, just what an entertainer just and and look i'm really upset that we missed you too we'll go back and try to get him at the sphere but uh at least we got one great night out of it
0: yeah for sure man if you would have caught that virus ahead of time uh and you know would have been a total Total waste of a weekend. Exactly. So yeah, at least at least you got something. So that's good to hear. <laughs> well, our uh, your review of the sphere and uh, comparing to the notes and the experience that I had yes. at the at the uh, arena, the building, whatever we're calling it, we'll have to wait. We'll put a pin in that and we'll come back to yep. it later. Absolutely. Well, let's see. Uh, since the last program, Dennis, um, a little bit has gone on <laughs> roster wise. <laughs> yeah. Um A little bit of the train falling off the tracks uh, somewhat. So uh, there, there have been three games uh, since the Gabe Velarde game, the Winnipeg game, since the last episode. Phoenix Copley was injured during practice, had to be carried off. That's never a good sign. He's going to be out long term. They recalled yeah. David Riddich from Riddick Riddich, I don't know what we're landing on. Um, it's, it seems like another Sammy Fagamo situation or Jacob <laughs> Mavari in terms of learning how to pronounce names. But anyway, big save Dave has been uh, recalled. The Twitterverse blew up, Dennis, overnight, uh, believing that the Kings were going to be in the market for a goaltender. And Kevin Weeks did not really calm the situation either. (laughs) So uh, I guess here on Kings of the Podcast, we can try to calm the situation uh, in terms of them trading for a goaltender. Nothing is imminent, nothing is coming. We can get to that in a little bit. Let's talk about the three games, though, before we really get into stories about people, if you will, or players specifically. Mm -hmm. Nine Mm -hmm. rounds of a shootout and featured Trevor Lewis going in the shootout as well. Apparently, Copi suggested to Todd that Trevor Lewis needed to go. I guess Dwight King wasn't available, but um, (laughs) the joke that never gets old, by the way. Well, Uh, to one person that gets (laughs) old. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) Um, Nine rounds. It was The reason that Dwight King ties into the story perfectly, though, I believe that it was that game in Anaheim that went Mm -hmm. nine rounds as well, where Sutter put Dwight King in uh, that was at the Pond. But seriously, Dennis, nine rounds in the shootout. I, re- I remember that shootout, though.
1: That it was Martin Jones in that. And I remember because I was in the press box by, you know, the, the folding chairs by the glass. <laughs> yes. And when they wound up winning, winning the game, Dean Lombardi came by and punched me real hard in the arm. <laughs>
0: <for> <laughs> That's Dean's go-to move at the end of a game. I know. He, he likes to punch boom, you he in he the like, arm. He called yeah. off
1: and hit me in the arm. I'm like, okay, okay, you're excited about beating the Ducks in a shootout. So look, I, I guess you got to put Grunstrom and Lewis and, and, and Kaliev as your first three shooters in the next shootout. <laughs> wow.
0: Well, how the Kopitar goal didn't go in. Uh, I don't know, but um, they did get a goal uh, from a few guys there. They were able to extend it. They ended up yeah. uh, winning in a nine round shootout. So then they go to San Jose um, and, and, Look, a minute and what, 19 seconds left or something like that. The shutout is ruined. And what a yeah. great story it would have been. Yes. Because for all of the concern over about a 72 hour period of it's so funny. Everybody was down on Phoenix Copley 30 days ago. And now the King's season is over because yeah, he no. goes on IR. I <laughs> mean, the emotional swings of the fan base at times, Dennis. I, I'm not sure if I can do it for 82 games.
1: And John, there. <laughs> here's the thing about the emotional swings. They're eighteen, seven, and four. Imagine if they were seven, eighteen, and four. No, no, I, I'd have I to wouldn't unplug want to do this Twitter. podcast. I
0: wouldn't. No, I would be off social
1: media for yeah. sure.
0: What is it? it Neil Thomas, he told me he had to delete the app. So yeah, yeah. I would delete the app. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'll be on Threads if that happens. So Threads. Uh, 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 th- Riddich is, is fine. He, what was he like? 904 in the AHL for Ontario. He's he's a veteran. He's played this is what a sixteen. He's exactly what you want when you get an injury situation. He's the perfect third goaltender. Could they look around for you know, it's funny, I was on Calgary Radio this morning. They asked me on Dan Vladar. I'm like, the Kings aren't picking up Dan Vladar, two point two million for a third goaltender. Like if something falls in their lap at eight seventy five, maybe, John, that they can a guy they can wave and put in the minors, because they do need another one. But other than that, I don't see any it's it's gonna be Talbot and Riddits until whenever Copley's healthy, if he is healthy.
0: Well, that's the whole thing is that if they were to go out and make a trade, Dennis, you're talking about somebody who's going to make less than one point five million, really less than a million. Right. Because if it's under a million, you can bury that salary in the American League and it doesn't impact your cap hit. They're not going to try to even with the money that's available through long term injured reserve. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to go out and try to swing a deal at this particular point. This is why you set it up the way that you did. This is why you signed Mm -hmm. both Copley and Rick to have this opportunity with the third goaltender. People keep asking about Eric Portillo. Man, it didn't take long for us to get to the players. We didn't even get to the end of the games, uh, but that's okay. Um, People kept asking about Eric Portillo. He's a rookie. He's not ready. He's not NHL ready. This team, where they are, in terms of challenging for the Pacific Division, they need players that are ready this is not a team that is like let's say for example if you were anaheim or san jose you might go ah screw it you might call up eric Portillo yep. and let him take a look you know look at him for five games todd mcclellan isn't even willing to let toby bjornfoot uh get into <laughs> games he's, he's certainly not going to yeah. call up an unproven rookie with 10 games and yeah. say hey no. why don't you you know take a test drive with this with yeah. this team and net an experiment so no. That's experiment. Yes. Thank you. That's that's not happening. By the way, speaking of goaltending, uh, we do have a guest on the program today coming up in the second period. Jacob Ingham will be joining us from British Columbia, by the way, because Ingham was originally. I love the backstories, Dennis. You know that I do. Originally, Ingham was scheduled to start tonight or not scheduled. I had him penciled in to start, so I didn't think that he would be made available for the podcast today. But in working with PR, it ends up that he's not starting tonight, that Eric Portillo is going to go back to back for the first time in his pro career, back to back games on back to back nights. He started last night against Abbotsford. He's going to start again tonight. Ingham was made available. And so he's joining us on the podcast. So um, you may recall we talked to Jacob Ingham three years ago, Dennis, right uh, when they had those five players playing over in Berlin during the quarantine season. And he was a lot of fun. So I hope he's a lot of fun um, this time around. But I, I hate to disappoint
1: that one fan that asked you last night at the game, but I did not travel to British Columbia <laughs> Let me for tell that you. rain game. That would I, be an all-time move, though, John. If I ever did that, that would be the move.
0: That would be. I laughed I out loud. I made it, John. I, 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 I laughed parading. out loud when the guy said it. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, it was just deadpan. Hey, where's Dennis? And before I could answer, did he go up to uh, BC to go watch the rain? And I just, I laughed. And I was like, I still, walking away later, I still chuckled <laughs> about it. Yeah, it was pretty a, fun. Great line. That's a good one. That was excellent. Uh, exactly. I did not reveal your whereabouts uh, because I was hoping that you would have some great story for the program. But even though you and I normally talk on a, on a semi regular basis, we hadn't spoken in the last couple of days, so I didn't even mm-hmm. know that you were sick. So uh, yeah. sorry to hear about that. That's why I didn't speak. <laughs> well, there, there you go. It's <laughs> uh, a reveal. So the goal, today. it's not so, a
1: mayor man's reveal, but it's still a reveal. Uh, well,
0: I, I have a reveal that we can talk about in sure the third period. I dropped a I dropped a big <laughs> story a big one, bro. <laughs> earlier today that a lot of Kings fans will be happy about for some changes that are coming next season. But let's try as best we can, Dennis, to get through these three games. The game in San Jose. They dominated in a way yeah. that they were supposed to dominate. Right. Um, the Sharks—you can't take them lightly because it's a division foe. They were, I think, five and five at home, five five and two, something like that. So they had played much better at home. Um, but it was a team that, if you if you score against them first. And if you hold a lead after two periods, yeah. they just don't come back on you. And LA needed to be able to show some dominance. And they did in that game. I think they held the sharks to like 16 or 17 shots on yeah. goal, the lowest total or among the lowest totals over the last 10 years or something like that. So they did what they needed to do in game one of the back-to-back performances. Before we get to game two of the back-to-back, which was against Seattle at home. Did do you have any thoughts um, about the game in San Jose? Yeah, it was men against boys and,
1: I was trying to find out what's the low and maybe you know, but what's the lowest amount of saves in a in a LA Kings shutout? Because I think it was like fifteen or sixteen shots they had and Rich until the last minute of the game. I, I I never got the answer. I'll probably talk to PR when I see him on Saturday to try to figure that out. But uh, that was that David Quinn said men against boys. That's what it was. It's what mm-hmm. we should have done. But unfortunately, that's the only game that was men against boys in the of the, the three that we're gonna talk about.
0: Yeah, it's de- definitely because Seattle uh, is is pretty pretty quick. They're good defensively, uh, and they showed it on Saturday. They showed it again on Wednesday uh, in a different building. You know, instead of being up in Seattle, they were now in Los Angeles. Todd McClellan was very happy with the first period on Wednesday night. He thought that they played an excellent mm-hmm. first period against the Kraken. They didn't have anything on the scoreboard to show for it. Uh, but he really liked their first period. And he said, I'm paraphrasing his eight minute press conference down to, he didn't like the power play. Um, and he, he thought that they ran out of gas late in the game. So I, I think they were closing in on 40 shots on goal after two periods and didn't have anything really to show for it. And they made a game of it, Dennis. It looked like it was going to be a repeat of the Saturday game. It looked like they were going to tie it late and at least go into overtime, but that never happened. So, uh, Blake Lazat scores. It's his 100th NHL point. He becomes, I believe, the speaking of PR, they, they passed a great note on to us. Justin Cummings did eight players from St. Cloud State uh, have gone on to earn 100 points in the NHL, and only one of them at St. Cloud uh, State was a non-drafted player. So Blake wow. Lazat, the first undrafted player to get to 100 points in the NHL. Not an easy thing to do, Dennis. It's kind of like 200 games. You know, anybody can make it mm-hmm. Not anybody, sure. but. A lot of people make the NHL, but once you cross 50 games, that's considered a milestone. Mm -hmm. Once you cross 100 games and once you cross 200 games, it's kind of like 100 points. Once you earn 100 points in the NHL, it kind of solidifies you. And Blake Lazat, you know, uh, he came in at a time when the prospect pool was pretty deep, but nobody Mm -hmm. has been able to unseat him. He is the fourth center on this L.A. Kings team. Oh, he's probably the
1: third best center right now, but we'll talk about that in a few wow. minutes. Wow. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a great story. Just resiliency, like just shrugging off all the doubters. It's a great story. And he's a fixture now on this team. And you're right. He's the four on this team. He's an important player on this team. I think the terminology Todd used last night in the power play is the team moved like turtles. He did if use I, that. Yes, you, he moved like turtles. So even
0: and, though you weren't there, you still were able to pick up on yeah, the, uh, yeah. the post-game audio. It wasn't that sick.
1: Yeah, I, I, watched, <laughs> I watched the whole thing. So it was, it was just... And they wanted to, the power to play was... John, I'm going to say this. If they're going to play like this at home all year, then they might as well start resting people and play for the three seed because it is such a difference. It's not like, oh, okay... We're not getting a decision. First of all, they stopped scoring goals. That's the fourth game out of five they've scored two goals or less. So the offense has dried up a little. It happens. If they're going to play this way where they don't execute, John, it's not about scoring. And I get people saying, oh, they got 40 shots on goal. They were off from the boards. Yeah, I get it. Like they made Joey Decord a star over the last two or three games, right? I get it. He was, re- he was really good in Seattle, and he was really good in the first period. But if they're going to play this way home, then just go get the three seed and start on the road because it's there's a marked difference and nobody can figure it out, John. Maybe you have some ideas or concepts about it, but there's such disparity between the execution. They look so sloppy at home, John. And mm-hmm. it's not just one game. It's not, oh, first game after a road trip or a back-to-back. It's like every one of these games looks sloppy. They don't look like anything, and I get it. Seattle's way better than San Jose. But, John, this isn't this is a recurring thing. When you win five out of, what, 14 home games, there's something
0: else going on. And, DB, here's the thing, too. There have been plenty of reasons that the motivation should be there. So, for example... They got away with one. Now, Todd can say they deserve to win that game in Seattle, right? But they got away with one because Seattle could have very easily won that game. They could have won the game in the shootout. They could have maybe not even allowed them to tie the game. They could have won the game, right? Seattle could have taken two points from L.A. Right. on it Saturday night. could have been night. another
1: Islanders game. They, they got away, away with over. one. Right. They yep. did.
0: Yep. So that's the way that I look at that game. So if I'm in that room and I go, hey, we got away with one then coming home in the rematch against that team, you're, you're going to know that they're going to push. Seattle came for blood. Seattle came yeah. to get their two points back that they didn't get at home. So you have to know that that push is coming and you have to be prepared for it. And here's another thing, Dennis. You know, we talk a lot about goal differential. It's one of my favorite statistics that really True. tells a story within the NHL standings. How about differential between home versus road points? In 2015 16, the San Jose Sharks had a road winning record of, or winning percentage, points percentage, excuse me, of 720 and at home, 476. Dennis, 720 on the road, yeah. 476. <laughs> That's a differential of 244. Something bizarre was going on at home that year in San Jose. The boys loved to be out of town and didn't necessarily play well at home. Um, That's only good for third best in NHL or third worst in NHL history. Mm -hmm. You'd have to go back to 1926 to a team that most people haven't heard of, the Montreal Maroons, Dennis. They had a road (laughs) percentage of 659 in a home of 341. That's a differential of plus 318. So a a little bit of a larger gap than what the Sharks had in 2016. And Dennis, for the math majors out there that haven't crunched the numbers, (laughs) in uh, this season, the Kings are... Unconscious on the road. They have a 900 points percentage. At home, they're 464, Dennis. That would be 0.436 in terms of uh, a differential. That would be the largest differential. Now, yeah. you can say mm-hmm. that the 900 is not sustainable and they're going to at least come down to earth a little bit uh, as the season wears along. But I would also wonder what's it going to take to improve the home record or is this 464 hockey what they're going to play because like you said it's it's not just one game it's not just one theme here's the question i have for you about this though the question was asked to me last night after the press conference by one of the other members of the media if you recall the last home game before the fire alarm went off i was asking Todd about tinkering with the lines yep. and he was saying that in the coaches room they had just talked about it and that they were split they had not reached a decision mm-hmm. yet yep. ultimately they flipped Kaliev and Grunstrom um which is the one thing that they did. But then last night I was asking him, Hey, given what's going on, you know, the team's not scoring goals, you know, uh, they're not winning at home. You know, are you, are you up for some tinkering? Are you starting to think about that? And he basically said, no, is essentially what he said. He's not ready to start tinkering yet. He wants to see the guys work their way out of it. The question that was asked of me after the, after the press conference there was, did, was I was it a leading question? Was I going somewhere with it? Was I do I have a suggestion in mind? Mm-hmm. And I really don't, Dennis. Outside of what I had mentioned a few weeks back, which is the idea of flipping Grunstrom and Laffey, which would give you a third line of Grunstrom, Kaliev, and Dubois, which I think is really just tweaking things at the margin. I tend not to be a big fan of the idea of moving Dubois to the wing and putting Byfield at the three C. And my logic or reasoning behind that, Dennis, is I just don't think you mess with the first or second line. A couple of weeks ago, I might have suggested putting Kevin Fiala back with Dubois and trying to figure that out. But the way that the top two lines are playing, Dennis, I think you have to leave those lines together. That's my position. So I'm throwing the question to you. Uh, I guess it is. Do you like the line Mm -hmm. combinations as they exist today? And if you don't, what suggestions would you make going forward? What would you tinker with? Well, Here's one thing that people realize: they keep talking
1: about the Ford Wall, but they haven't gotten any offense from their defense. It, like in the last month, like that's it. Like Drew's got seven goals. He has Gavrikov being out. He added some offense. They haven't gotten, I, I think, maybe one or two goals from their from their defense. Uh, you, if you put, I'm sorry, you don't put Byfield at three C, mm-hmm. and that's going to. When we talk about player number eighty, I'll get into that a little bit more. There's not much to do, John. You know, at some point in the season, I think they were shooting like 13 or 14 percent. You ain't shooting as a team 14 percent. You're not. You're going to regress, and this team's regressive. Now, the one good thing is that they are playing. They're still playing solid defense. Like I know that Seattle was a solid. They played a solid road game, but they scored two goals, John. Like you know, in a normal output game, they get, the King's going to win that game. I credit Seattle for taking away the middle. The goalie played well. Played, but there's not much I would do because the tweaking you're going to do is going to be on the bottom six. Is the bottom six really going to go in and is it going to produce is, is a Le- fair going to come Trevor Moore on the third line? No, he's not. So I don't think there's much to do. Just understand that that offense and Todd said it, we're not going to score four goals every game. He said it about a month ago. And guess what? The last five games, they haven't scored four goals. They scored four goals against San Jose and that was it. So there's not much to do, John, right? But, Here's the thing. It's about execution. It's about the sloppy play. It's about the lack of execution on the power play. It's like there's winning moments in a game, and they had winning moments last night. And in the first period, they couldn't finish. In the third period, they couldn't put together. That's six on four, John. That like, If I'm a player, I'm, I'm taking a long look in the mirror after the game because that was just – they didn't get a shot. on. They weren't even dangerous. It was it was not surprising because you're going to hit a valley right now, but I, I don't think there's too much to do, John, because I will agree with your first point. I'm not touching those top two lines. I'm sorry that that's that's a panic move for a team that is, you know, within striking distance of first place.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dowdy and Fiala seem to have been really playing around with the puck a lot and trying to be too fancy and too cute. Yeah. And Todd did go after the power play last night. He He really was not happy. And look they have to score their way out of it though. I don't think there's a lot more they can do to improve defensively. That this team does not give up a yeah. lot of goals. So Agreed. in order to win, they are going to have to score a little bit more and at least statistically or, 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 you know, the odds are tilted in your favor when you have a man advantage. Therefore you have to score with the power play. And last year, the power play was so improved, uh, it, it is a real head scratcher, and we've talked earlier about the removal of the three righties and whatnot. And yeah. I don't know, just that, that something's wrong with the power play right now, and that fixing that could give them another goal or so a game, and that this could make a huge is the difference. Last
1: minute yeah, of play but that again, that's a, it's a problem that when you're when you have the record that you do, people are looking striving for, for perfection, and I'll keep going back to number thirty three. I think it's a very different power play with Victor Arverton, So I know you got to be patient on that, but there's not a remedy to it, John, other than more focus, more concentration. Like some of those plays, you're like you're just not focusing on making a play, and they weren't hard plays either, John. Like they were not making simple plays along the boards. You mentioned the puck possession; it just it wasn't crisp. And for some reason, that happens on the road uh, at home and not at, on the road.
0: All right, let's do this, Dennis. Why don't we take a quick break right now? We have Jacob Ingham on the other side. We'll come back. We'll talk about number 80. We'll talk about that third line. We can also take a look ahead. The Kings have one game remaining before the Christmas break. We can talk any trade options. We can talk about a breaking story that was on Mayor's Manor earlier today. Uh, we can talk about anything you want, Dennis, uh, in the third period. But why don't we take a quick break right now? We'll be back in a few minutes with Jacob Ingham. We'll talk goaltending and the Ontario Reigns
2: in just a moment. Where the tree tops present. Children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow.
0: Welcome back, Second Period Kings of the Podcast. We are joined by L.A. Kings goaltending prospect, Jacob Ingham. Iggy, welcome back to the show.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Now, it's been – I was going through my notes prior to having you on, and it has been three years since we had you on the program last Everything in your life, I think, has changed. We'll go through, we'll break it all down. But uh, three years ago, playing in Germany with some other prospects, Aiden Dudas and uh, Turkot and a bunch of other guys, uh, a lot's gone on between that time in Germany and now.
3: Yeah, no, it's crazy. It feels uh, feels so short ago uh, when they had five of us uh, crammed together in uh, Berlin. And honestly, I think Turks got COVID right after... Uh, we had this Zoom call and shut it down for us for a little bit there in Berlin, so definitely don't forget that uh,
0: yeah it was uh it was a fun time. It actually was one of my um, favorite episodes during that quarantine period um i don't I don't know who was tripping more. You had a, a few trips in that episode that we did. Aiden Dudas had some. Uh, we later talked to Akil Thomas. he did so a lot of good podcast comedy uh, or at least one liners came out of that uh, that brief couple weeks period uh, over there in Germany in Berlin.
3: Yeah, definitely. That's uh, three pretty chirpy guys there. So it should uh, make for some good content.
0: All right. We'll get we'll get Turk on soon. Um, wish him health these days. Uh, we'll get him back on yeah. the program. We'll see if we can uh, get his trips dialed in. But just to recap for everybody, um, and there's a lot to break down. We can do it throughout the course of the conversation. But to reset for anybody who doesn't know, you were drafted by the L.A. Kings in 2018, finished up your career um, in the OHL. You were actually traded to Kitchener there in your final season season in the OHL COVID hits around the same time that you're turning pro that summer Uh, you end up going like we just talked about over to Germany long story short you eventually ended up signing a pro contract turning pro splitting time between the ECHL and the American Hockey League you're injured you miss all of last season with the back injury terrible timing not that there's ever a good time for an injury but terrible timing because it's the final year of your contract and then this past summer, you signed an AHL only deal to return to the organization. Things, I think, are going pretty well for you this year. Um, in fourteen appearances, what eleven and two, leading the ECHL uh, there in Greenville.
3: Yeah, yeah, things are going pretty well. It's been a, it's been a good start for me this year.
0: Now. Things didn't exactly get off to a great start, though, because uh, we did talk, well, it feels like it's been a few months now, you took a puck to the face while sitting on the bench, that's the, not the best way to start your season.
3: Yeah, yeah, I had uh, I had some crazy bad luck going on there for a little bit, I had uh, I had knee surgery, then I had back surgery, and then I uh, got a new car, got T-boned, that got written off, and then... I had something fly off our roof and hit my other new car, so then just end up selling uh, that one in a hole. And then, the very first game of uh, not very first regular season game back on the bench in about a year and a quarter, um, not even playing, take a dump in off the face and uh, knock my tooth out and take five stitches to the lips. So, I think that was a good welcome back. I think. <laughs>
0: yeah yes that's uh that's how everybody needs to be welcomed back to the game of hockey just with the old the old part of your face yeah yeah uh what- any good trips from your teammates about that one
3: uh you know actually, funny enough, I got a pretty good one from uh Billy ranford. He sent me a text uh later that day um, and uh, I was out with the guys and I got a text from Billy, and he said, uh you know you're supposed to catch the puck with your glove, <laughs> not your face, right <laughs> So I thought it was pretty funny at the time. Uh, after when my face was uh, pretty swollen up, settling down.
0: Yeah, well, it's still funny now. Uh, that's a that's a pretty good one. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the rookie tournaments as well, because I think uh, unexpectedly, uh, it certainly wasn't part of the plan, but. The NHL Rookie Face-Off Tournament, which is one of my favorite tournaments. I mean, I don't want to overhype it. It's not the World Junior Championships, but I love the Rookie Face-Off Tournaments. You get the six teams. They compete there in September. Uh, it's been a big part of your story because in 2022, the Rookie Face-Off up in San Jose, you started two games and you had some success there, and then... We all thought you were going to be just shut down for a couple of weeks, maybe a month at the most, you end up then having back surgery, and then your first game back after back surgery was the rookie faceoff tournament this year. Just when you think about the rookie face off, I don't know at this point, is, is it good memories? Is it bad memories? or is it just a distant memory?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've uh, I've played in I think five. I think this was my fifth summer. Um, doing the rookie face off. So, you know, I think I got a lot of good memories. I know I got lit up pretty good my very first one when I was 18, but got a little bit of revenge in Las Vegas this year, I think I would say.
0: Iggy, I have to interrupt you here, though. You brought that yeah. up you, when we spoke in Vegas at this year's tournament. You brought that up as well. Why do you keep bringing up that you got lit up in the first one? Because I think everybody yeah. else would forget about it if you would stop mentioning it.
3: Yeah, no, I I don't know. I don't forget. So it was a good extra (laughs) little motivation. So I know uh, I did the whole tour. I think we did Anaheim, uh, Arizona, San Jose after that, and then back to Vegas. So it was the end of the revenge tour. I don't think I'll be going again next year, hopefully. Um, but, um, no, it's called yeah, the rookie yeah. tournament,
0: not the old guy tournament. You have aged out of the, uh,
3: of, the of the rookie
0: tournament. You can't play. I, I
3: might have more rookie tournament games than pro games up <laughs> until this year. So uh, we we were on a quite a stretch there.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm laughing, but it's not really funny. We may have to go back and uh, and check the numbers on that. Um, one of the other things that you talked about when we spoke in September at the rookie tournament was your helmet and on the back of your helmet, yeah. it says something to prove. And you know, this is my yeah. typical long winded question. I want to wade into the water slowly here. A lot has changed. You're, you know, Matt Millar was your goaltending coach previously. And now you have somebody different. You've been in the ECHL, you've been back from back surgery, you know, who is it that you have something to prove? Why is that written on the back of your helmet? Is it something to prove to yourself, to the coaches, to your teammates, you know, I don't know, to fans, to management? Who are you trying to prove something to at this point? Because if nothing else, you certainly have proven that you're going to stick with it because last year was a real grind coming back from back surgery.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm definitely a very motivated person and uh, even just bringing up that rookie tournament and finding motivation and uh, kind of anything I can and to draw from it to help my game and you know I think that's one of my biggest strengths is my compete level in my game and I think um, yeah it's a really good question because a lot of it uh, a lot of it started last year and you know I had a ton to prove to myself I had a full season of just physical rehab um, coming off a pretty major back surgery missing the full season and then you know, realistically coming off the ending the year before with knee surgery. So I had a, I had a tough stretch there and I needed to get my body right. And luckily, um, I was able to see Dr. Watkins, who uh, for my back surgery did a very good job. And then just uh, credit to our full uh, rehab staff um, with Aisha, Audie and uh, Rob Rodriguez, who really helped me um, get my back right and get me feeling strong. Bigger, stronger, and faster than ever. So, you know, I think I did all the proving to myself I needed last year, um, day in and day out, uh, working on my body. And then I was doing tons of uh, work on my game with the VR goggles and watching videos. So, you know, I'm not I'm not surprised by the success from the amount of effort and work that I put in last year. But, you know, there's a lot to prove because I know a lot of people um, had me written off. Uh, just coming in with that many injuries and that early in my career and uh, three years and not having too many games to show for. So, you know, there's a lot of people that I need to continue to prove and show that I'm still here and that I'm still a legitimate NHL prospect because I uh, I know how good my game is and I know that I want to play in the NHL and that I will play in the NHL and it's a matter of time and just continuing day by day to show it.
0: Well, I I love the uh, the definitive statement that you will play in the NHL. Keep uh, progressing at the rate that you are going, and it won't be another three years before we invite you back to the podcast. We'll have to have you on earlier. Um, Maybe it should say that something to prove, and underneath in like little letters, you know, to the folks at Kings of the Podcast. Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, that was a good joke. It really went over well. Um, Hey, Iggy, how about this when? So you're at the tournament, you're in San Jose, you have a couple starts, then they, they tell you that you kind of need to rehab a little bit. Can you go back to the moment when you heard the words back surgery and that you needed back surgery and you knew that you were going to be shutting it down for the rest of the season? What was going through your mind at that point?
3: Yeah, um, I kind of had a feeling uh, a little bit going into San Jose rookie tournament I' hurt during fitness testing, and it was kind of one of those injuries that like you just you just knew something wasn't feeling right. and to end the year before needing knee surgery and then to start the year on a new injury, it was uh, it was really tough for me. so i I kind of did my best to play through it and kind of grind away and and try and find a way to get some games in and and see if we could have uh, extended early into the start of the year before really um getting it looked at in all ways, if that makes sense, kind of tiptoeing around it to try and take care and uh, see if I could play some games uh, before we knew exactly what was going on and see if it would kind of work its way out and get better and we were doing rehab fire and then it kind of kept progressing and then it was pretty severe where I was having lots of trouble with my legs and the pain was getting, really severe it was, it was tough to sleep and you know just with any back pain and uh, having disc herniations people would know what it feels like to have that numbness and tingling in your legs. so then started to get way more concerned with that and then finally we decided to get an MRI and I yeah I can still remember when Aisha came and got me from the gym afterwards and I came outside and Matt Millar was waiting for me and She was telling me that uh, the MRI didn't go very well and that we needed to go see the back surgeon um, and kind of look at potential outcomes down the road. And You know, the back surgery was at the end of the road. We did a steroid pack and then we did epidurals and then just continued not to get better and um, we needed a permanent fix.
0: When was your... When was your darkest day? What was rock bottom? When you think about the rehab and and all of that stuff, what was that moment? When was there a moment even where you were like, "I, I just don't want to do this. I can't do this anymore. This is not the way I want to live. I'm 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 packing it. I'm done. I'm going to go. You know, I don't know. Work at Target. Whatever you're going to do. You're you're not going to be a goaltender yeah. anymore. W- was there was there a dark moment? I think it's natural for people to have that that moment.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, for me. I knew, I knew I was gonna be fine. And honestly, like to have that surgery, um, it's pretty intense surgery. And then the next two weeks I found was the hardest part, just to barely walk, just in a lot of agony. And my, uh, my dad was down there to help me. So, you know, I was in a lot of pain for, uh, for a full week after the surgery. And then it kind of tailored off and I was starting to be able to walk and kind of do all that stuff again. But you know, I, I really was thankful to get the surgery for how I felt afterwards, if that makes sense. Like, it was immediate relief mm. by just having to deal with um, drilling through your vertebrae and, you know, cutting through your disc and doing all that stuff that just kind of created its own pain afterwards. So, you know, the first month after felt felt so much better. And as much pain as it was after surgery, I, I would do it again just to feel as good as I do right now because... Um, living with that back pain is uh, pretty excruciating at times. So, you know, it was one of those things where as much as it sucked, you kind of had to put being out for the season uh, on hold just to get yourself back to back to feeling good because there's really no point playing if you can't play at 100% and uh, you're just going to be in pain constantly for the rest of the season. So, you know, I, I was in a unique situation because about three weeks later, Four weeks later, my roommate, Akil Thomas, ended up having seasoned ending shoulder surgery. So, yeah. you know, we, we, uh, we were together, and we definitely leaned on each other a lot. There was definitely some, some tough times, but with, uh, with two guys in the same scenario, we found some ways to have some fun and pick each other up all the time.
0: Who's a better nurse? Who's more compassionate when it comes to taking care of the other guy in a difficult moment? Are, are you a better nurse for him, or is he a better nurse for you?
3: <laughs> no i definitely think i'm a better nurse for him <laughs> really yeah uh, yeah no he's like one of my best friends but his uh his form of uh showing love is way different so <laughs> i had to help him out a couple times and he's uh he's pretty uh he's, he's a unique dude let's just say <laughs> sometimes and um he needs to I work on his bedside manner
0: is that what you're saying
3: yeah. 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 He, he would probably call me OCD. So I, I know he's probably got a reply for this. So I got to take it easy on him. Yeah.
0: It's funny because I could actually see as well, as well as I could hear, I could see the wheels turning of, I'm going to walk this back because there's a receipt coming. So, um, that was, that oh, was great. Yeah. That was great that you acknowledged it. Um, you were rather emotional, uh, there in Vegas at this rookie tournament a couple months back. Um, Was it was it the flood of emotions of just coming to the point of I can finally turn the page because you talked about just now you felt a lot better after the surgery, right? So the pain Mm -hmm. is gone. uh, The physical pain. But the mental pain, I guess, if you will, of not being able to play, not being part of the team, not contributing, right? That goes on for months and months and months. And then the contract stuff, which we'll get into in a bit. But now you're finally back. You're wearing a King's jersey. You're at the rookie tournament and you played so well uh, in the tournament. What stopping 53 of 54 shots? I think that you faced uh, over the two games, Um, a flood of emotions that sort of hit you at that point. Was it was it the a feeling of like, yeah, baby, I'm back. Like it was it was turning the page. Was that is that what it was?
3: Yeah, uh, I think it was one of those things that just it, there was so much joy, so much emotion, and you know I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that. Like when I got back to my hotel room, I wasn't uh, in tears on the phone with my parents, just because it was one of those things where when you get hockey taken away from you, and it's a full year. I've never I've never dealt with that. I've never had a major injury like that, and you just don't know how you're gonna feel when you can come back. I put in as much work as I possibly could. I feel like I did as much extra as I could, but you know, and then to go into a game, sometimes it doesn't exactly translate immediately. And sometimes it takes a little bit and sometimes it's, uh, you know, it takes half a year, a quarter of a year and you just don't really know fully. Like I knew how good I felt on the ice, but you just never really know what it feels like to get back into a game until finally you get to so. You know, to have those games go the way they did, um, I mean, it's just, it just meant the world to my confidence, and it meant meant the world to really prove to myself that, you know, I missed a full year. I've done everything I could. I've improved my game, and I'm still here competing uh, with some very good players.
0: Man, you keep saying things that are taking me off course and preventing me from getting to my next question, but you bring up great points, and I love for this to be more organic. How How can you say that your game has improved. How do you improve your game? You know, teach us that. How do you improve your game when you're not playing for a year? That's interesting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So basically we have these VR goggles and I was able to take shots almost every single day on my VR goggles with no equipment on. So I was improving my eyes and my reactions and just tracking pucks. And you know, they're, they're extremely realistic. It's almost scary. And, Sometimes the drills are harder than real life. I'll be honest, because these guys don't <laughs> miss and they don't uh, they don't go crossbar and up. It's always elbowing in or right off the iron and in. So it's it's awesome. It's called sensory and I was able to plug away uh, probably about three months post off mm-hmm. and uh, and just track pucks and read pucks and so I'd be taking shots every single day. But I mean, I didn't skate for five months uh, after surgery. Hmm. So it, it's unique that way. So I was able to continue with my mind and my eyes and keeping them sharp. And then once I got on the ice, it was almost like I broke a bunch of bad habits. Wow. Uh, just doing little things with, uh, wearing a band on my feet, keeping my feet closer together. And, you know, there's a lot of work to, uh, put in on that sense. And, you know, interesting enough, when you put, when you have two guys living together, that uh, one's a goalie and one's a forward, they're both hurt. Yeah, you see some unique things. I have a video of uh, what Akhil and I used to do. Like we're in the shooting room at like 9 p.m. on like a Friday night, and he's shooting pucks, which I don't know if he was really allowed to be shooting them yet, but we'll say he's allowed to be <laughs> shooting them. And I'm on, uh, I'm, on, I'm on like a gel pad behind the net tracking them. So he's shooting them into the empty net, and then behind the net is me reading the releases and just, uh, in my butterfly, uh, track and pot. So, you know, we got to do a bunch of unique stuff to try and improve our game. And I mean, I feel like it's worked.
0: Yeah. Did, uh, knowing how competitive he is at some point, was he like, come on, give me that VR. Let, let me try this. Did he try it?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. And oh, how yeah. how do yeah, you do? Did he, did he do it? I he's pretty good. He's pretty good. It's funny. I could watch him on my phone when he was doing it so he wasn't able to lie to me if he was making saves but uh, yeah no no, he, he's pretty good we also we were big in the chess and uh, he he had a couple comments in the in the pipeline about him being a better chess for me chess player than me in one of those YouTube videos and uh, then we bought we had our chess board and I beat him I think it was like 10 to 2 with our record on the chess board so wow I think he might need to take it back, but yeah, no, he got, he got me into it. And then there was a, there was some long, boring days that we've had. So we've, uh, we used to pound away at that game and play each other all the time. So I'm sure he's going to have a rebuttal yeah, on that too. Next time you have one.
0: I, I think his bu- rebuttal will go something like this. He was really good at chess and he mastered it very quickly and then got bored with it and was waiting for everybody else to catch up.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Does that sound like something he might say?
3: Oh yeah. He'll say I was watching YouTube videos and which I was, but we're playing each other, so I want to get better too. So I'm gonna watch my own YouTube videos on uh, on guys that are better than me.
0: Yeah, sure. Well there's nothing wrong with training to, to, to even to play chess, right? If you want to get better at something, then you wanna learn from from people that are um people that are better than you. By the way, you mentioned that Akil is a forward. I don't know if he's told you that he really is a defenseman trapped in a forward's yeah. body. His dream is to play one game of defense uh, in the NHL as well, like he did back. In the O, yeah,
3: I'd like to see it too because he's also told me he's a pretty good goalie. I want to see him <laughs> strap the pads on. We got we got a couple bets going on. We I told you we had a boring year last year, so we we have about thirty bets that we have to see through uh, the rest wow. of our life. Wow. there's a bunch.
0: <laughs> that's 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 a lot. I'm not sure how many of the thirty you'll be able to get off uh, scratch off the list. Let's go back to uh, yeah. my list of questions here. So, um, I would imagine that when you weren't tendered by the Kings uh, contract wise, and you essentially were going to become an unrestricted free agent, there's frustration, there's confusion, right? What is my future hold? Um, you know, you talked mm-hmm. about, you want to be an NHL goalie. How do you get back there? What do you do? And you're watching other moves that are going on within the organization as well. You know, they make the trade for Eric Portillo, you know, he's now in the prospect pool eventually over the summer as well. They signed Riddick, um, you know, that creates a crowded crease there in Ontario how do you balance all of that at the time of being frustrated and confused, but yet wanting to stay focused on your future, like peel back the onion there a little bit. Don't just give the standard answer of, well, I let my agent handle all of that because you're a human being. I'm sure you're thinking about it and you had a lot more time to think about it maybe than most people do in that situation.
3: Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, it was definitely tough because uh, I felt like we had a good, good little crop before. I mean, um, Matty V. didn't get re-signed. David Hranek didn't get re-signed. I didn't get re-signed. So there was three um, signed goalies from the previous year to not uh, get tenored uh, a qualifying deal. It was kind of one of those. I was kind of on the outside looking in. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen with me the whole season, and I wasn't able to play my hand um, going into that uh, contract year, which was unfortunate. And uh, to lose uh, to lose your NHL contract over something like that versus something controllable, say, with uh, with play, it, it kind of sucked, you know? And it was one of those things where I had a feeling um, they were going to be able to do that. I mean, I didn't have much leverage. I didn't play much. I didn't play at all that year. I hadn't played much before. And um, for them to probably know that they'd be able to get me on an AHL deal was definitely something I thought um, going through my head. And, You know, it it makes sense. I I didn't play. People were concerned about my health, and people didn't really know uh, what was going to come. And you know, obviously, I knew what I was going to do, and I knew I was going to be ready. But you know, I can't um, I can't show that without playing games, right? So it was one of those things that I kind of take a deep breath and you know talk to my agent and look at our options. And when you look at the LA depth depth chart and you know, Ports and I, we're both 23. We're the same age and that. So, you know, I think that creates a good chance for some um, competition. And, you know, with uh, obviously there's been an injury here and I think there's going to be a good opportunity for me to uh, get some games and, you know, create some competition here down the road. And that's what I'm really looking forward to do after um, kind of being put on the back burner a bit and just continuing to scrap and fight my way up the leaderboard.
0: Yeah, for sure. And thanks again for finding the time to do this. I appreciate. It. I know it's been a little bit of a whirlwind yeah. coming all the way across uh, the country, going from Greenville to Southern California, and then now tra- uh, you know traveling up to British Columbia. I do appreciate it. Um, a couple more, and we'll wrap up here. Just you know, we knew a lot about Manchester back in the day because uh, Jake Muzzin and and you know all those guys that were there in in Manch would come on Mayor's Manor and talk about it, and it, it felt like to people in Southern California that we were there as well. And so we knew a lot about the city. Um, We really don't know anything about Greenville. What, what can you tell us? Just, you know, paint a picture for us. Uh, The Greenville swamp rabbits. What else can you tell us?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kind of a tough name, swamp rabbits, but it's really unique to, um, to Greenville uh, with their swamp rabbit trail. And um, they got a lot of history there uh, just with the animals and it being a swamp. And, uh yeah, so it's Greenville's a very nice, um very, very nice city. It's one of the fastest growing cities in the US. I don't know if you knew that but did not. Um that that's what I've been told. Um, hopefully that's true. Um, but um yeah, the downtown's very nice. It's a real southern um feel to it and you know it has uh I hadn't spent much time down south, um, growing up or anything like that, but it's got a real nice southern feel to it and vibe and you know the people are very sweet and you know, hockey isn't their first sport, obviously. Like, it's more football and basketball. So it's pretty unique when you see um, people coming to the game that have never been there before. And it seems like they're enjoying it. And, you know, I, I've been over there the course of three years now, and it seems like the attendance has really gone up. And, you know, continuing to spread the game uh, in a southern market. And it seems like the fans have really been buying in, uh, which is cool to see. And, you know, we have a really good squad down there this year. Um, I think we're in first or second in the league, and to, to do that in the ACHL, I think we have one of the least contracted AHL teams. So I think that just speaks to Lordo, our coach, um, our coach GM, about getting the right people in. And, you know, anything's possible when you get the right people and right players uh, bonded together. So, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a great city. I enjoyed playing there.
0: Well, thanks for that little uh, intro there. We haven't really spent a lot of time on the program at all, for that matter, uh, talking about Greenville other than you. I mean, you really have been the the most important piece, I believe, that's been down there. Uh, We've seen some other guys from Ontario, you know, going up and down from but from a king's prospect pool perspective boy that's a mouthful that's tougher than swamp rabbits um from a king's prospect pool perspective you've been the the lone highlight going down there uh to greenville and spending some time which is obviously important to get you know consistent playing time for you uh considering your situation let's talk uh let's wrap up today talking about your involvement with hockey gives blood now when you were on the program three years ago Uh, We talked a little bit about that. However, you've continued your involvement and even, I would say, elevated or escalated your involvement in the program here over the last couple of years, from my understanding. And you've taken on a little bit more of an ambassador role. You've started a pen pal program done some different things. Maybe you're even on their board. Um, I've heard a lot of really good things about it, and I think it speaks to your character and the type of people that the Kings love having in their prospect pool. Um, what can you What can you share and sort of update us on your involvement with Hockey Gives Blood and that program?
3: Right, Sorry, I said to, uh, to grab the door. Um, for Sammy, do you want me to restart that so out at edit that? Thanks, Sammy. <laughs> no,
0: let's just go. I think that's great. So Fagamo, okay. Fagamo's yeah. knocking on the door while we're trying to do an interview. Yeah,
3: he's, he's running coffee.
0: But you know, Sammy, he has like, uh, what does he have? Like 12 goals in 14 games or something. So we're going to give him a pass. Uh, he, it's okay. He can interrupt the interview considering, um, what yeah. a, what a red hot start he has had since rejoining the organization. It's kind of yeah, hard, kind of exactly. hard to trip him at this point.
3: Yeah, no, I put him on the Tim's iced coffee, so that's also on me. Yeah, he was making coffee runs, so I know he's a big fan now. I love it.
0: This guy's trying to get ready for a game, and you're sending him out for coffee.
3: Yeah, he did it yesterday. You got a goal, so we'll do it again. Oh yes, do it up
0: keep the superstitions alive. That's great. He'll be running coffee every game yeah. for for the rest of the season uh, until he's recalled yeah. to Los Angeles. That is my question for you. Hell, I don't even remember the question. Actually, it was about hockey gives yeah, blood. No,
3: I, I remember the question. Okay, go for yeah, it. So, go for it, Iggy. Yeah, yeah. My involvement with hockey gives blood. Uh, we're more of a leadership role now. Um, we have uh, we have a, a, almost a player ambassador, I believe, in every CHL team uh, across Canada and the U.S. now. So, I, I mean, it's grown grown tremendously. I was uh, the first player ambassador when I was in Mississauga when I was 18, I believe. So now to see every team, almost every team, buy in and uh, have a hockey gives blood ambassador, it's awesome. You know, um, it's one of those things that you kind of see and grow with as you get a little bit older. And I think it's been about five years of us doing it now and there's been four or five of us that have aged out of junior that have really wanted to stay uh connected because it's more of a junior program it's easier for your junior teams to kind of get or, get involved and get uh around the whole community base um just with pro uh, uncertainty and and not being in spots normally as long for players that, that are in junior so it makes it a little bit tough and a lot of the teams are in the u.s so our work with canadian blood services uh, changes. To quite a bit over the border but um yeah so it's a little bit more of a leadership role where we look after the PAs and reach out to them and see how they're doing and then uh, yeah I did a little bit of a pen pal um with this little boy from Calgary uh Colton and he was able I was able to write him a message and he was able to write me a message and you know it was really nice and it was uh it was sweet you know you get to see what these people are going through firsthand and you know, if, uh, a handwritten message and a hockey puck and a jersey, and and that can make them feel better. It's one of those things that you always want to do, and and it it gives you um gives you a little lift. You know, um, going through last year, um, it was nice to reach out to Colton and kind of see how he's been doing. And you know, I had my own struggles, and you know, you kind of realize it's nothing uh, when you see um, some kids with uh, childhood cancer and they're battling through that stuff. So. know really puts it all in perspective
0: for you yeah for sure well thanks for your time today Iggy. really appreciate you coming back on and uh, stopping by kings of the podcast second time it uh maybe we won't wait another three years to get you back on again but appreciate you stopping by and uh sharing some time with us today we look forward to seeing you back on the ice with the ontario rain here uh in the coming days in the coming weeks as for everybody else we'll be back after the break we'll talk more la kings hockey right after this
2: merry christmas i don't want to
0: Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with D.B. and the Mayor. Okay, Kings of the Podcast, third period. Thank you to Jacob Ingham for, uh, and really, thank you to Sammy Fagamo for stopping in with the coffee in the middle of the interview. Uh, (laughs) Appreciate that. Uh, Wow. We were talking in the first period, Dennis, about the power play and what they could do. Sammy Fagamo is an option at some point Mm -hmm. to recall. How long do I look? I, I love Laffy. I think he adds a lot. Uh, I think he's getting valuable NHL experience, and I love giving young players valuable NHL experience because it pays dividends later. So right now, Laffy is learning stuff that's going to help him in the second sure. half of the season of and course. come playoff time. And so from that standpoint, I like the argument of leave him in the NHL. Don't send him down to the American League. But given the lack of production on the power play, would it be advantageous to perhaps get Fagamo into the lineup and give him a look for five games. At some point, you have to make changes. And as Todd can say that he wants to hold Pat and let them work out of it. But mm-hmm. at some point, right, what's the old saying about doing the same thing and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. At some yep. point, don't you have to do something?
1: You do. But again, what's the power play, like 15th or 16th? So it's average power play. I know, I think it's maybe 20%. So I wouldn't be against it. But the, here's the problem. It's not a problem. It's a good thing. LaFerre doesn't make mistakes. He, 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 he plays a 200-foot game. There's some physicality to the, to his game. Is he going to be a 25-goal scorer, or does he have the scoring potential to fag him with? No, he doesn't. You got to say that Sammy's a better offensive player, but it's not just an offensive player. So you, do you want to sacrifice that and put that player in the lineup? I don't think we're at that point yet. But if you make a decision down the line – at you know, 15 games from now, saying, okay, you know, Alex still has, what, four goals? We need more from the middle six? Then, yeah, that's an option at that point in time. Right now in the moment, I would just keep going because the kid has played solid hockey. Once in a while, it takes a penalty, some bad decisions. But, again, he, he plays a 200-foot game that fits with this yes. team style right now.
0: Yes, 100%. Yeah. He fits the identity yeah. of the team. Yeah. the the uh, Just to clarify something that you said there about the power play, though, because I do happen to know this after looking at it previously, um, they are 25th in the league in the power play at home. Fourth yeah. on the road with their power play. So when you, it, it's it's the tale of two teams. And, it's and that's, unbelievable. That's, it's almost. It's, get, it's every, getting unbelievable, John. It is. It is getting. It's, un- there's a gap. No, it's two. It's not getting, it's, Dennis. It is unbelievable. How can the two fourth different best teams. power play on the road come home where you're supposed to have an advantage and be the twenty fifth best power play? It just yeah. doesn't make it's sense.
1: It's It's two different teams, John.
0: So the point that we were just talking about ties in as well with Dubois. So let's kind of bridge to get there to for Sammy to bring him in. It's in my eyes, it's not to fix the third line or make the third line better. It's to give them another option on the power play. Right. They can't sort things out on the power play, but here's what I think you end up doing is I think you end up robbing from Peter to pay Paul. You might make the power play better, but to your point, you might suffer a little defensively in five on five type situations. So. If robbing from Peter to pay Paul is not really helping, that's my whole point about Dubois. Why would I, if I'm the coach, want to put Dubois at wing to quote unquote, people can't see my air quotes, to get him going when putting Byfield down at the 3C? I'm losing a little compared to what I have right now. So I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. I don't know if I'm really helping the team by making that move. Uh, and it seems like you agree with that. You would keep the top two lines together. You don't want to move Dubois into the top two lines. No. It, look,
1: it's unfortunate. A guy making $8.5 million is your fourth best center right now. And he is, clearly, without question. But now you can take Quentin Byfield of the top line where he's been productive and confident and put him in a center's role when he's playing wing all season? No. Sorry. Sorry. And, you know, we could have a – do you want to have the discussion now? Like, Do you want to undo that trade? Do you really want to undo the trade? And let me tell you why, John. Okay. Because if you undid the trade and you said, okay, let's keep it. Maybe you have to still trade. I follow for cap purposes, but here's what could have happened, John. Okay. Let, let's, let's play a what if. And now you could play your what ifs. Sure. So they keep Vellardi, right? And they go, you know what? Todd's thinking, you know what? We need production from the top line. Quints not with. Really, so what we're going to do is we're going to put Vellardi, Kopitar, and, uh Kempe together on the top line and going to move Quentin Byfield to 3C. So Quentin Byfield never has this season as a 3C, I'm sorry. And mm-hmm. not only that, John, because you saved money because you didn't extend um you didn't have to sign Dubois and you kept uh Vel- at 3.3 or wherever he is. Mm-hmm. You decided to keep sallow So you don't get you don't get Cam Talbot. You still mm-hmm. have Corpusalo on net. You got Byfield at three C is it a better team, John?
0: It's no, not. I don't think it's it not.
1: is. Because you'd have to address – because if you kept Gabe and he's had a great season and he's motivated and, and the team – they're in first place in the central. But, John, then you go back to a scenario where you'd still have Kapari and, and Lazat at 3-4C and four C, and that wasn't going to work. That wasn't going to And again, what was the mindset in the offseason? Beat Edmonton. You need to be better at center. So I get it. It's been a disaster, right? It's not good, but it's thirty games in, and yet yeah, it got but I, dis- play- I
0: disagree with one yeah. thing: it has not been a disaster. It has not. It's team a dis- wise. It's a disaster for people that play fantasy hockey. That's what it yeah, is. It's sure. a disaster yeah. because if you drafted Dubois on your fantasy team, expecting him to put up the numbers that he had put up previously when he was playing a one C role, right? Imagine Mm -hmm. Kopitar as a 1C versus a 3C. You're going to get more opportunities and you're going to score more when you're on the first power play, when you're doing all that stuff. So if you drafted Dubois expecting him to lead your team in offense this year, your fantasy team, then he's going to let you down. So that's that's one thing. But the second thing that really bothers me is something that you just mentioned a minute ago, which is – and I don't mean you're bothering me. I mean the topic is bothering me. Mm -hmm. You're bothering me too, though, Dennis. It's better when we argue. Who cares if he's making $8 million, $6 million, $3 million, or whatever? Todd McClellan doesn't care, as the coach of the right. team, how much money you're making. The money you're making is a Rob Blake issue, right? The only mm-hmm. thing that Todd McClellan cares about is, who are my 23 players, and how can I slot them to win? And the Kings are challenging for the Pacific Division title— On the road, they're the best team in the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. Everything Mm -hmm. tells you that this team should go on a deep playoff run, and they are better today. I don't care about Dubois' stats. This team is better today than they were at the end of last year. So from that standpoint, to me, the trade has not been a disaster. I want to say this, though, very clear before I turn the table over to you or the microphone over to you, Dennis, and that is, I'm not defending Dubois. I'm not happy with his production, and I'm not an apologist for the trade because anybody that's followed Mayer's Manor or Kings of the Podcast, there was nobody that was a bigger supporter of Gabe Velarde than me. Oh, yeah. No question. I said for years that Gabe Velarde had more skill than anybody else in the prospect pool, and I stand by that. Gabe Velarde is an immensely talented hockey player. That's not what we're discussing. We're discussing... The failure or the success of the trade, and should they have made the move, and I argue the team is better today than they were, whatever, six months or eight months ago. I don't care about how many goals he has. It would make certain people feel better if he had five more goals. I don't really care. I care about the record, and I care Mm -hmm. about cups. That's the way that I judge a team.
1: Yeah. Are they better? Yes. I I think they're better than last season at this point. The problem is it's not just that the the numbers John when you watch that player play like you're saying what's going on out there right and and I'll give you, and I said it last night on social media after X had its meltdown or whatever was going on last night, oh did it last was there a problem? Night, oh yeah, like what you when you would call up Twitter, you yeah. would have no timeline there'd be no no comments in the timeline or nothing I'm like what's your the prayers thing? were answered, Dennis. Yes, it was no,
0: no donkey replies.
1: <laughs> exactly. But John, here's the thing last night when your top two lines are ongoing, that was the game that you needed PLD to say, okay, I'm going to take over. I'm going to cut sure. the goals. I'm going to lead my line. We're going to win the game. And that, sure. that hasn't happened. It hasn't really happened since I think the Minnesota road game when they won seven to four and he scored two goals. Mm-hmm. I think that that might've been the last time that that's the problem. The optics around that player. Now, some players look really good when they're not scoring, and, but they're trying to. And, and he's he's coasting out there. He's a cerebral player. We've heard it all. He's better with the puck than without the puck. <laughs> it's the optics around his game, John. When you see guys like Kopitar and Byfield and Trevor Moore and Deneau, like playing hard, I'm not saying the player doesn't play hard. The optics around that player, the effectiveness just isn't there. So I get why. There's increasing chatter and dissatisfaction by fans, not the not the coach. Because I've had a few private moments. It, it's not there yet, but it's got to be better, John. It's it just it, it, at some point in time, he's got to take over a game and win a game for this team. And he hasn't done, it in maybe once all season. I, I
0: I don't disagree with you. I I really yeah. honestly don't. Um, I just think that there's a lot of crazy talk <laughs> around. Dubois, you mentioned it earlier. You know, oh, they should have never made the trade and the this and the that. Yeah, it just you know, because this team is better today. They're better with him at the three C, and then uh, some of the other comments last night. Oh well, they shouldn't be paying eight million dollars for a third line center. I don't. I this is like a weird time in sports tennis where fans care about money. It's not their money. I, I get it. They want to construct the team differently. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. It just the team is better. I, I, the last couple of years, it's been pretty dismal and boring in L.A. Uh, the team has not been good. A lot of players left. They struggled to score, yeah. which it, they don't now, I, right? Th- this should be a happier time for Kings <laughs> fans. I just don't understand. No, John,
1: is... a 5-4-1 and one in the last <laughs> 10. The wheels have fallen off. I don't know. Fire everybody.
0: Trade everybody. You cannot everybody. have
1: a valley in 82 games, John. Don't you get it? You can't have any valleys.
0: Uh, I just...
1: God forbid they go three and seven for a stretch. It'll be all over. Fire you know, Todd again.
0: Exactly. I have ignored most of it all year. And for whatever reason, last night, it, I just, you I was fed up. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: yeah, I was just. Yeah, I get it. I was fed up. I was just like, God, back off, everybody. I don't it's, know. It's Tuesday against,
1: it was a Wednesday night against Seattle. Like, yes. th- this is the stretch of games you want to, Seattle, Se- San Jose, and Seattle. Okay, they won two out of three, and you're upset? Okay, I guess you're spoiled.
0: That's the problem. That is actually the problem, Dennis, because they've beaten Vegas. Uh, They looked good in beating Colorado. They've put a couple of beatdowns on some really good teams. Yeah. Maybe that has spoiled everybody. Maybe it's even spoiled the players. Unfortunately, there. it's
1: not in front of the fans at home. That's the <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Come on. They did have a couple of good games at home. A few. No, they beat no, Colorado they- without my car.
1: Okay. Great. Thanks.
0: Wow. Okay. No, no, John, they've had a tough schedule. Look at all. T- they've played, you know. They barely Colorado ever played, twice. Dennis. How can they have a tough schedule? They play one
1: game a week. They've played Pittsburgh. They played Boston. They've played. A- they played good teams at home. So maybe it's a little more friendly on the road, but. Uh, you know, I, 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 it's tough, John, when you're, <laughs> when you're, when you're within striking distance of first place and the, the first place team is the, the defending champs and you're not, yeah. you're not happy. Like, okay. All
0: right. Can't help you. Let's switch gears. Oh, from please don't point. lose that game on Saturday, John. Oh, please. Oh, Dennis. It will make for a miserable <laughs> 2-1. Christmas. Don't yeah. lose 2-1. And no, don't they need to win Don't go all the four in power game.
1: play, John. Please. No.
0: Win that game, <laughs> score four power play goals, win the game four to one, <laughs> make everybody happy. Um, yeah. Well, apparently it's going to be the same lineup because I don't think that Todd's going to go to the blender. No. I don't think there's anything. Yeah, no, uh, crazy I don't think so, John. Trev- I blame all of this on Trevor Moore, by the way. Trevor Moore is ruining everything <laughs> because if Trevor Moore was not having the season that he's having, you could move Trevor Moore down. Trevor Moore played center, by the way, for Team USA at the World Championships. Yeah, you could let you Trevor did? Moore yeah. play 3C, and you could put PLD on the wing. But you can't move Trevor Moore. So if you can't no. move Trevor Moore and you can't move Byfield and you can't move Kempe let's and you move can't move Fiala, who are you going to move? move? You can't move Let's move money. our leading goal scorer, John. That's yeah, okay. so what I'm saying. I blame Trevor Moore. I'm going to get T-shirts made. <laughs> blame Trevor Moore. That's what it is. That's, That's all I That's my Trevor's guy. Fault. Don't you dare. I know. he's, your, he's, That's your, he's my all, guy. You, you already submitted him for MVP for the year. Yeah, the LA MVP. awards are going to be great.
1: Masterton, Wait, wait. Selkie.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, Cam Talbot's going to win King's MVP. He might win the Vesna. He'll be nominated. And then who knows? He'll win a couple other trophies as well. He'll win the Mark Messier Leadership Award as well. So, you know, he's going to get more hardware than Trevor Moore. You, you watch and see. Okay. I wish people could see your face right now. You're cracking up. Laughter yeah. is the best medicine, Dennis, by the it way. certainly so if you're is, you're not John. feeling well, then um, here's something. Let's get away from the players for a second. Let's move on yeah. to a different topic. Breaking news on Mayor's oh, yeah, Manor earlier today. The LA Kings are in the process of evaluating um several changes to their jersey for next year. It starts with rather what I would call minor, but yet they're major changes such as the numbers. And um I even leaked some photos. I'm sure if I check my phone, I'll probably get some nasty messages from King's oh, management at sure some point. Will. But I had Holy some job. some I had some <laughs> uh some some photos that I leaked earlier today. Yep. They were uh, doing some television testing of mm-hmm. some new number configurations with some some outlines. And they also were testing the silver numbers, which I thought was interesting because they only wore those numbers, if memory serves me correctly, for one season, which was the King's Silver anniversary season uh, back in 92, 93, something like that. Um okay. The rest of the time on their white jerseys, they had black numbers, but they had silver numbers that year. They were testing silver numbers on the jerseys. so That was kind of interesting. Go to the article on Mayor's Manor. Dennis, I'm going to give you the the dime store version of this, which is from what I had heard or, or what I've been hearing recently, Fanatics next year, year one of their 10 year program, they were going to limit teams to only two jerseys, a home and a road jersey. Because right. they just simply don't have time to ramp up all the manufacturing and sure. the inventory and all that sort of stuff. So yep. here's the conundrum for the Kings. If you only have two jerseys, a home and a road, they can either keep their current configuration of black and white jerseys with that home plate or shield, whatever you want to call it, the L.A. logo. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the white one that's been so successful, part of the chrome kits, it just goes away. The, the Their heritage jersey. Right. Mm-hmm. With the silver on it, it goes away yep. because right. you don't have that jersey. That would be have a bummer because they've done a lot of merchandising around that. Or if you keep that jersey um, as the white jersey, then you would mm-hmm. need to come up with a black version of that because the NHL likes it when you have the same crest for home and sure. road. Makes sense. Jersey right. manufacturers also like it for inventory purposes, right? You of have course. one crest and you can sew it on. <laughs> right both jerseys exactly. so if that's the case you would take the supply the chain, on supply yes. chain yeah, this is the business side of hockey people it's it's not it's, just about fashion there's also right. business side to it manufacturing um so you would put that call it you know the 90s heritage mm-hmm. era whatever you want to call it i just don't like calling it the chevy logo that's why i'm dancing sure. around calling it that I, I i hate that phrase for some reason some people like jim fox they hate uh forum blue and gold like that's a really a purple and yellow whatever he hates forum blue that gets Jim Fox going it pushes his buttons Chevy logo gets me going so we all have our our druthers Dennis (laughs) um anyway going to that logo on a white jersey and a black jersey could be the way to go for next year and then it still leaves the opportunity for a purple and gold uh, as a as a um, third jersey third jersey mm mm-hmm in year two or year three of the Fanatics deal as they ramp up manufacturing. And to me, that makes a ton of sense, Dennis, because then you kind of get the best of all worlds. They can right. keep their their current sort of identity as black and white, but they also get to draw in the logo from previous. Mm-hmm. And so Agreed. everyone's stoked on that. And then the crowd that likes the purple and gold, you don't have to live with it for 82 games. It just pops in there about 15 games a year and we could debate later what purple and gold Jersey they go with. They can either go with the 1967 one as sure. their third Jersey with the original crown, or they could do something like they did with the uh, reverse retro where they did the purple and gold with that nineties era crest. Mm-hmm, and then you mm-hmm. have, right. Then you have uniform. Everything's branding. covered. Mm-hmm. You have, you have, right. You, you get a similar crest across all three jerseys, across the board. but you yep. still get purple and gold. So uh, to me, I think it's pretty cool. Um, So check out the article on com, Dennis, I wanted to ask you, um, did you do you have an opinion? I think I've asked you this before. Do you have but, you know, opinions change. Do you have a favorite jersey? Like if they gave you the keys to the castle and said, DB, pick the jersey for next year. What would your home and road jersey be? Would you keep what they have or would you change? No chance. I would not keep the current kit. Don't like the home plate logo. Oh, okay. No, so what no. would you do? Would you go back to the original 67 purple and gold? Would you go to something like I just described? Would you do something altogether different? What would you do?
1: I, I don't think they're going to go all the way reverse to go all the way back to the future, right? To to purple and gold. I, I think they're, re- I think they pop. I think they're gorgeous. I, I, I do like the nineties era Jersey that they were, the Chrome pockets. I do. I, I it's, yeah. it's easy to see the names. It's easy to see the numbers especially when you sit where we sit in the press box at the crypto. So I, I would go that route that that that's the one I, I, I I'm not a big fan. It just, this is LA John that that logo just never popped for me. I never really understand. I mean, I get the home plate protect home plate, whatever it, it never really popped for me. So I would welcome a change to something different.
0: Here's the one issue though. If you know me, I'm good at arguing both sides of the, Oh yeah. hundred here. percent. Especially Here's the one issue. Jerseys. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> they won the Stanley cup in that Jersey. So, you okay. Know, the, the Dustin Fair. Brown, the statue outside Fair. the building, that's the jersey. Fair. So it went from being a just a regular jersey that, OK, it's just one in the line of their history of jerseys to it's it does sort of elevate, you know, it to being an iconic jersey. I can't even believe I just said that because mm-hmm. they won the Stanley Cup in that jersey. So I do see the argument that people try to make to keep that jersey. It's only iconic if you don't win another cup, John. <laughs> oh. So win a cup with the new jersey and then it, and yeah, then it goal, all. It, yeah. the,
1: the, the goal is to win more cups. So yes. Make the next jersey iconic. So it's only True. iconic if this is it. You can be stuck on two for a while, then sure. Keep the same
0: jerseys. Well, that would be that would be one reason, I think, to go to the newer style as well, is that if you if you do something new, you're turning the page. Right. You're not forgetting mm-hmm. your past. You're not dissing the core no, four. No. Right. All their numbers will be in the rafters and more statues and yeah. all that stuff. You know, Hall of Fame for a few of them and everything else. But you are embracing the next chapter of L.A. King's history yeah. by by going to this new jersey. So that would be pretty cool. The white jersey becomes not the third jersey. It moves into being the primary jersey used on the road. And then mm-hmm. you get a black version of that jersey or something similar. Sure. Um, and that becomes the home jersey. And there is a mock-up on mayorsmanner.com, and you can go and you can check it out. And, of course, as we get more information, Dennis, as our sources start to uh, reveal more info to us, then we will leak out more information. Fantastic. Plan. Oh, absolutely, Jay. Do You you would love to make predictions. So let's end the program. Ah, Dennis, you know what we didn't do? And I'm sorry. I forgot to text you this. This is the episode every year where we give out a couple of gifts um, to... Uh, members of the LA Kings to the players. Do you want to, uh, I'm asking you on the spot on the air, I guess we can edit this out if you don't like it, but uh, would you like to uh, maybe, maybe instead of doing the whole roster, like we've done in the mm-hmm. past, maybe uh, five players each, you give me five players and I will come up with a gift to give them. And, and I will come up with five players um, for you to give a gift. Would you like to do it now? No. Sure.
1: Why don't we do, why don't we do that for new year's? Okay. New I year's resolution. Fine. Yeah, okay. I do have a one gift. Yeah, New Year's for, let's say, five, and then we can decide off off Mike. I, I do have one gift to one one player, and I'm not sure which player it would be. Oh, but, okay. Okay, so it, it would be a Christmas gift. I, I will give a honey-baked ham to any player willing to switch his jersey number to 13.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a big one. Wow. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, Gabe called Cliffy when he was going to switch because if you remember, Gabe came on the program here and told us he he thought that he was he was establishing something in L.A. as a 42 and he was going to keep it. And he had a change of heart over the summer. He called Cliffy and decided to change to number 13. I don't think anybody on the team is going to call Gabe. I think if they (laughs) want to change to 13, they're just going to change. Uh, I can't even imagine who would wear. Well, how about this? If Sammy Fagamo gets called up, maybe they should just give it to him and just yeah. make him a number 13. Exactly. So then you don't exactly have to have somebody change, but it would be a player coming in.
1: Yeah. Any any player that chooses to wear that number next gets a, f- a free honey-baked ham from me.
0: Wow. Okay. Does it come with a side of cranberry sauce or it's just a ham?
1: I'm not a cranberry sauce guy, but I'll throw it in, John. <laughs> okay.
0: I don't think any nobody eats fruitcake, Dennis. I don't know why they make it. And nobody eats cranberry <laughs> sauce either. I don't yeah, know why they make that. Exactly. But uh, a lot of it is sold around this time of the year. It's great program. Um, we didn't follow the script, but we never do. Dennis, no. it was a great program. Thank you to Jacob Bingham for stopping by. Uh, Dennis, Saturday, uh, the prediction mm-hmm. that I was trying to get to. Do you have a prediction? This is your last prediction, not of 2023, but before the Christmas break. Kings, Flames, At home, Saturday night, what's your prediction? Uh,
1: Okay, shameless plug, first of all. Uh, Tomorrow, Sirius XM, noon to three. I'm co-hosting with Steve Coulias. Hot stove, 11 a.m. Saturday. Uh, I will predict, uh, in a tribute to a former coach of both Calgary and L.A., I think the Kings will win three to two.
0: Okay. Well, I will give you my I was outstanding, by the way. Nice tie in. I love tie ins. Um, I'm going to go four to one. And that's probably just stuck in my head because earlier I said four goals on the power play. So I won't go so far as to say four <laughs> power play goals uh, because I'm not that much of an idiot, Dennis. But I will right. say Kings win four to one on Saturday night. So either way, you think the Kings come away with two points. I think the Kings come away with two points. For the love of everybody on social media, I hope the Kings do get a win because I don't want to ruin anybody's Christmas, Dennis. (laughs) Amen, John. All right. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. If you stop by at the elevators, we'll try to have more stickers and koozies for you guys. Had a few people come up last night, Dennis, and we didn't have any, so um, I felt bad. But uh, we'll see if we can get some presents for everybody. Have a great one.
2: Uh, Thank Better days when the sun gets into you and the shadows of your heart There'll be better days when my love will find you even though we're miles apart Like an airplane as the world fades out and there's a new world yet to come And all your pain will release at night into the arms of the chosen one If you're lost, I'll find you there With the sunlight in your hair And the sadness washed away by the rain Open up your eyes, cause you're reeling Baby, try to remember, it's just a feeling And there'll be better ways that begin to echo through the wasteland of your mind Through the Milky Way, oh my love So